0: Dear friends in Christ, we study and encourage one another in the word of our Lord this morning from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who have fallen asleep, so that you do not grieve in the same way as the others who have no hope. Indeed, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, then in the same way we also believe that God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep through Jesus. In fact, we tell you this by the word of the Lord. We who are alive and left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not go on ahead of those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up in the clouds together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. These are God's words before us today. May the Holy Spirit bless us as we encourage one another in Christ's resurrection. That those who die will not miss out. That death is no more than sleep and that faith is based on God's Word. Have you ever noticed that Jesus' most profound statements were often short and easily overlooked? People tend to see Jesus as some wise spiritual guru who taught the masses with lengthy sermons day after day. Certainly the Bible gives us a couple of examples of long oratories that Jesus had where he did teach and preach to the people. And certainly Jesus was wise. But most of Jesus' influential statements, the most important ones, the real critical teaching moments of Jesus, were just short statements. Consider a few memorable passages that serve as examples. When Jesus said, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Mark 10.45 When Jesus said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Matthew 24.35 Jesus said, Blessed are they who hear the word of God and keep it. Luke 11.28 Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. John fourteen verse six. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. John 15, verse 16. If you open up your Bible, chances are you'll be able to find a page, at least in the Gospels, where we have the direct quotations of Jesus, where you find a similar statement. We might call them quick hitters that are filled with wisdom, grace, and practicality for our lives. It's not that Jesus is just imparting spiritual wisdom here. These things make sense. These words apply to our lives. But because Jesus' statements are often so simple and succinct, they are so easily overlooked. Many people gloss over these passages when reading their Bibles. Many people Would rather remember the great stories about Jesus, the things that he did, not so much the things that he said. When you think about the resurrection, there is no more amazing miracle, there is no more amazing thing that Jesus did than rise from the dead. But he also had similar short but powerful statements about the resurrection. In John chapter 10, Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and may have it more abundantly. In John 14, Jesus promised, Because I live, you will live also. These simple statements about the resurrection tell us the hope that we have through Jesus. These passages are where the life that he took back on Easter intersects with your life today. But the difficult reality is that our lives are fleeting and fragile. James delivers this stunning question and answer in his letter. He says, what is your life? It is but a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. While we recognize the sure promise of Jesus even in his resurrection, and what he assures us will happen in our lives because of that resurrection, we also often wonder if it's too good to be true. With all the pain, heartache, ailments, and especially reality of death that we are faced with in this world, can we really believe that there will be life with Jesus after death? Well, that's where the Thessalonian Christians were when Paul wrote this letter to them. Despite all the teaching and training that Paul had given them, they were questioning how the resurrection of Jesus would be delivered. The specific area where the Thessalonians were struggling was in understanding how Christians who who had died already would receive the blessings of the resurrection. What would happen to them? When it came to that final day, when Jesus would return, the logical assumption was that those who had already died would somehow miss out. Paul addresses this concern head on as he writes at the very beginning, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who have fallen asleep, so that you do not grieve in the same way as the others who have no hope. The Thessalonians were certainly uninformed, as Paul said. He doesn't want them to be uninformed, but they weren't misinformed. The reason that the Thessalonians were concerned about this question is that they were eagerly waiting for Christ to return. You see, they recognized that through Christ, everything that God demanded was now made complete. Everything that needed to be satisfied for us to have God's holiness again was done and accomplished in Christ. There were no more promises or prophecies that had to be fulfilled. These Christians were the first generation of believers living in the New Testament era. No more more Old Testament laws. No more prophecies about the Messiah. All was now ready. And so they weren't misinformed. They greatly desired Jesus to come and for them to be with him. We often have similar questions in our lives. What is God waiting for? Perhaps if we're well advanced in age, we wonder, why isn't God taking me home to heaven sooner? What's his purpose for me, staying here on this earth? We also have those moments in our lives when We greatly desire to be with our Savior as he promised, just like the Thessalonians felt. And the more the time dragged on, the more they were concerned, especially for the Christians who had died already. Some of the thoughts in their minds might have been, how will these believers who've died witness the second coming of Christ? Or will they be in heaven with the rest of us who remain to His coming? Would they be missing out on anything important? Would they have to be worried about anything? Paul spends the majority of the text addressing these concerns, and his simple answer is, Christians have nothing to worry about. In fact, Christians who have died in Christ will not miss out on anything. Paul walks them through the steps of what will take place on the final day, the clear, unmistakable coming of Jesus, the rising of the dead, Christians and believers first, that all will be caught up together with him to be with Jesus forever with the Lord. So Paul's message to them was that immediately upon Christ's return, it doesn't matter if you're left here on this earth alive or if you've died before, the Easter promise will be fulfilled. Paul offers another encouragement as well in the way that he describes the believer's death. In verse 14, he writes, Indeed, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, then in the same way we also believe that God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep through Jesus. In two other verses, Paul again describes the believer's death as sleep. Paul's words follow the same pattern as Christ, who in John chapter 11 spoke about the death of his friend Lazarus in this way. He said to his disciples, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him. This was not just some wordplay or parable by Paul and Jesus. It was a deliberate attempt to encourage believers facing death. The point is, for the believer, the one in Christ, death is no more dangerous than falling asleep on your pillow. There are few things in life that people dread more than the prospect of death. Is there pain going to be involved? What about just the unknown of it? What will it be like? But Jesus reassures us that it is nothing more than something we do every day, every evening. We lay our heads down to sleep. This is not a mental exercise by Paul, but rather it's imparting a solid truth based on the reality of Christ's resurrection from the dead. Three connections come out about why the believer does not need to fear death. Number one, sleep is not permanent. Therefore, the connection is that the believer's death is not permanent either. In fact, we know through Jesus that a believer's death is really just the beginning of real life in in Christ. Number two, when you fall asleep, it doesn't mean that you cease to exist. But rather, it just means that your connection to your surroundings is changed. When you sleep, you lose consciousness of the world around you, but you don't stop living. Similarly, the death of a believer is merely a change in circumstances, a change in surroundings, not the end of true life. And number three, sleep is nothing to be afraid of. None of us fear sleep. Many of us, by the end of the day, greatly desire sleep. Not that we would take that parallel and say that God wants us to desire our death, but he wants us to be aware of it without fear. The beloved hymn stanza of 558 in our hymnal says it well, teach me to live that I may dread the grave as little as my bed. Teach me to die that so I may rise glorious at the awful day. This is why Christians are at peace in the moment of death. They have the assurance and promise of Jesus to rely on, to fall back on. And that promise is, because I live, you will live also. This illustration by Paul that he got from Jesus, that death is no more than sleep for the believer, gives us great comfort and hope, great encouragement as we think about our lives. And it's in our faith in Jesus where we find the final encouragement that Paul offers. Jesus gives us faith to trust him through his word. Paul writes in verse 18 at the very end, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Paul's parting message to the Thessalonians is not just to encourage, but to do it through the word of God. To do it with the reality and truth of what God has done for them. To communicate hope in Jesus through their words. It is through the word of God that we first believed. And it is also upon the word of God that our confidence rests when our final day approaches. The Thessalonians were a bit perplexed. A bit concerned, a bit worried. Because they knew, like we do. That final day could be today. But it could be much farther in the future too. Paul reminds them, your encouragement is not about how you feel today, or how you'll feel in 10 years, or when that day might come for you. Paul says, encourage one another with these words. It is through the word of God that our faith is founded. And when we say something as simple as, Paul tells us to encourage one another through faith in the Word of God, it's no simple thing. From birth to death, the source of our hope does not change. Compare this to how our text began. Paul's hope was that the Thessalonian believers would not be uninformed, literally ignorant of truth and reality. Well the way to be informed about something To know the reality of the hope that exists is to be educated in its truth. And so to be informed about the resurrection, whether it be Christ or what we think about our own, we need to be led by the word of God. Paul was not concerned about the Thessalonians being ignorant in how they felt or being ignorant in what other people's opinions were or being ignorant in what the world says. He said his concern was that they would be uninformed about God's Word. And that is our hope as we continue to communicate today, just as Jesus has instructed the first witnesses of His resurrection. The Word of God is the source of the resurrection message. But it's the faith that believes that message that connects us to Jesus. So as we encourage one another, We don't do so just by talking about the Word of God, or even learning the Word of God. We encourage one another by growing in faith. And the Word of God is important to that because it's through that that we grow and sustain and walk forward in our faith. I'd like to show you an example of that this morning. this simple chair now we probably all had those moments where somebody's pulled the chair out from underneath us and that's not fun to go through but I've sat in this chair so many times and other chairs like it that I hardly even think about it when I sit down I don't worry about whether the chair will support me I don't worry about whether it's strong enough because I've done it so many times that I know it to be reliable. But I also know what it feels like if I tried to sit down and that chair wasn't there. And that does concern me a little bit because I don't want to feel that way. Well, look at this chair as faith built on the Word of God. Faith built on the Word of God is solid and steady and reliable, and sometimes because it is that way and it's so consistent in our lives, we take it for granted and we forget how reliable it is. Just like we sit down in our chairs all the time and we don't worry or, or we're not perplexed about whether it will hold us up. What Paul's trying to tell the Thessalonians is that when you encourage one another through God's word, it doesn't matter what kind of topic you're talking about. When you think about death, that may generate fear. There's a lot of unknown there. That's not something we've gone through multiple times. And so, if we think about that, we would be worried, as the Thessalonians were. Paul brings their attention back not to what they don't know, but to what they do know in Christ. That because you're connected to Christ's resurrection through faith, and that faith is solid like the legs of this chair founded on the Word of God, it's not even something you need to be worried about or even think about. That seems so strange to the world. To think that death is not something we even need to consider just like sitting in a chair as we do every day. But that's what God wants you to consider even when you're faced with the reality of death. Hopefully for those of us here today and those watching online, that reality is not going to happen anytime soon. But we're faced with the results of death every day. Pains in our bodies, limitations in our minds, frustrations in our relationships. We may not be up against death's door every day, but we see its effects every day. And Jesus says, I encourage you, and I want you to encourage one another through my resurrection to be as at peace as you are sitting in a chair. That chair has to uphold you. There is an element of trust to that. You're not sitting on your own power. But when you have a faith backed by the word of God through the resurrection of Christ, there's nothing more stable than that. So the Thessalonians had concerns, and Paul wanted them to be encouraged. Likewise, each generation of believers faces similar obstacles, questions and doubts, concerns about their work, fears about continuing onward, anxiety about the future, and the greatest threat that looms behind all of it, death. Death is that foreign agent in the world. It causes us to fear because of the implication that it has on our lives. Will we lose everything? What happens after death? How do I know what's most important in life? What should I be doing? But most critically, as believers, what does death mean to my faith? What does it do to the promises that are given to me in Christ? Will I be robbed even of these? Jesus' answer is clear. Be encouraged. Death has been defeated and with it, all the questions, doubts, concerns, fears, and anxieties associated with it. Through Jesus, you can be encouraged as if you're laying your head down to sleep or as if you're sitting on a chair. Something you do Tons of times a day without even thinking about the implications of it. Be not uninformed, but encourage one another with these words. Those who die in Christ will not miss out. Death is nothing more than sleep for the believer. And faith founded on God's word connects you to the resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen. Please rise.